Today is March 29th. What is it the Lord wants to give us? Let's find out together as we read Exodus 39 and 40 and talk about the book of Leviticus. As we read through the Bible in a year, I'd like you to read through Exodus 39 and 40. I'm going to summarize the book of Leviticus so that you don't have to actually read through it. If you'd like to, it'll take you about two and a half hours. Go ahead and do that. Now, in Exodus 39 and 40, uh, the beginning of chapter 39, they finish the clothing for the priests. Uh, priests are now ready to begin their uh, offices as a priest. Then at the end of chapter 39, we have the inspection of everything that's been made. And Moses discovers that it was made just in accord with what the Lord had commanded. Then in chapter 40, we have the construction of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is now raised. Up to this point, uh, Moses had gone to talk to the Lord, the pillar of fire, the cloud of smoke. Um, he, he would uh, go up to the Lord pretty much at his own desire and be able to talk to the Lord. Look what happens in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We get this idea that once everything was made and the, and the pillar of fire moved into the tabernacle, Moses started to go in after the pillar of fire. But it's like God held his hand on the door and said, no, this is my house knock before entering. <laughs> well, Moses figured out quickly uh, what it was that was going on. This was not like any other temple that they had seen. The temple of gods that were made by hand, you could walk in and out of anytime you wanted. This was God's house. God had chosen to live just like any other Israelite in the middle of Israel. Just like any other Israelite, you don't just walk into their tent. You announce yourself, you, in essence, knock, and uh, if they want to, they'll receive you. Same thing happens here with God. God lets Moses know, this is my house. I choose to live in Israel. Now, that sets a great stage for the book of Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, we have several uh, different laws that are given. Uh, primarily, they're laws about uh, the sacrificial system. There were five different sacrifices that Israel could offer to the Lord. And they're detailed in the book of Leviticus. Now, Leviticus goes over a few other things as well, other laws, but it's primarily laws about cleanliness, about uh, purification. Uh, they relate back to the sacrifices. The first sacrifice is a burnt 
offering, a bull, a sheep, or a goat would be laid on the altar and would be completely burned. Apparently, this offering was to express your devotion to the Lord and to seek general atonement for your sinfulness as a human. The next offering is a grain offering. There are three types of grain offering that are allowed. Um, uh, grain, uh, uh, bread, and, um, excuse me, the two types. So you could either offer the grain or you could actually make bread and offer the bread then uh, to the Lord. Uh, the grain offering simply was to express your devotion to the Lord. The next offering in chapter 3 is called here in the New Living Translation a peace offering. The word for peace, of course, being shalom. It refers to well-being. This offering was uh, also an offering of voluntary devotion to God uh, out of thankfulness for what God has done. But it also may be just the way that it's written here. Uh, the peace offering uh, would be a uh, herd animal, a, a flock animal, a sheep or a goat. And it's very possible that the reason it was called a peace offering was that two people would bring it. Uh, part of the animal was consumed in fire, part was given to the priest, and the rest of the animal then would be eaten by those who brought it. It's thought that perhaps two people who are about to enter into a contract with each other would offer a peace offering to say uh, our relationship with each other reflects our relationship with God. The next offering is called the sin offering in chapter 5. But it's not really an offering for sin as we think of sin. It's an offering for ritual purification when you have been obliged or when you have accidentally done something that would make you ritually unclean. Um, a relative dies, you must bury the relative. However, touching the corpse makes you unclean. How do you fix that? The sin offering. Um, the purpose of the sin offering is to cleanse you after unintentional sin when you did something that violated one of God's commands. The final offering is called the guilt offering. It also occurs in Leviticus 5. Again, uh, this was an offering of an animal, uh, typically a sheep or a goat. You could also offer a uh, pigeon if you were poor. And the purpose for this is to cleanse you after unintentionally defiling some of the Lord's sacred property. Now, the reason I wanted to go over these offerings was because there is no offering for intentional sin. There is no offering for disobedience. It's like the Lord is saying, no animal death can atone for you when you disobey 
one of God's commands. Oh yeah, when you have to, when you have to bury the dead, you can be cleansed from that. When you unintentionally uh, uh, come upon an animal corpse and touch it, for example, uh, you, can, you can be forgiven for that. But no animal offering will forgive you for intentionally disobeying God. So what? Were they condemned then? No, they weren't. God forgave simply because God chose to forgave. It wasn't something that you could do. It wasn't an animal sacrifice that would achieve your forgiveness for disobeying the Lord. And yet, God would forgive. Numbers 14, 19 to 21, Moses approaches God and says, O oh Lord, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you've pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. In verse 21, the Lord replies, I have forgiven them. No animal offering, no animal sacrifice. God is simply a God of mercy who chooses to forgive. Psalm 32, the first two verses. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. God chooses to forgive. Psalm 103, 8-12, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Later on, Isaiah 38 Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of disruption. You have put all my sins behind your back. And then in Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. God forgives simply because God chooses to forgive. You see, just as in the New Testament, God offers forgiveness freely to those who seek it. But Isaiah develops this just a step further. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, he says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord laid on him, the servant, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then a few verses later in verse 11, 
After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Isaiah tells us that God will forgive, but he also tells us that there is one who is still coming in Isaiah's time who will take our sins on himself. Isaiah predicted the coming of Jesus and what Jesus would do on the cross. Please like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you used to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll ask the question, why do the wicked live that way?